Welcome to Education Beat. I'm Ann Vasquez, CEO of EdSource. California's home to the largest population of English learners in the country. Two in five students in the state's public schools speak a language other than English at home. Some progress has been made addressing the needs of these students and the teachers who work with them. But California still has a long way to go to help those students become proficient in English and help them master other subject areas. Teachers often feel unprepared, lacking the training and materials that they need. Invest in your teachers to support them. They are your greatest asset. How can district and school leaders better support teachers of English learners? Here is this week's Education Beat with host Zadie Stavely. When Natalie Tran's family came to the U.S. from Vietnam three decades ago, she was already speaking three languages. Vietnamese, Cantonese, because I was in Hong Kong refugee camps for a couple of years, and then English because I was again in another refugee camp in the Philippines. Natalie's family went to Houston, Texas. Since she was not yet proficient in English, she was pulled out of class routinely for help with her English, like many other English learners are. I was taught mostly, I remember English through the use of flashcards. So somebody would come to my class, they would pull me out, and then they would show me flashcards and they would ask me to repeat, right? And then they would turn to the back and they'll ask me to to memorize. When Natalie was in her regular classes, though, she felt like her teachers didn't realize how much she could do, even if she wasn't fluent in English. I think the teachers that I had at the time assumed that I didn't know math or any other content areas because of my English proficiency was still developing. They didn't know that math was the easiest subject and it was not challenging for me. And as you can see, the danger with that approach is that if you don't speak English, you can't learn any other content subject areas. I would encourage all of us to think about that for a second. And how many times have we made, you know, those assumptions, right, about our our students? Because I was one of those students. This is Education Beat, getting to the heart of California schools. I'm Zadie Stavely. This week, what teachers need to know about English language learners. Natalie Tran is now a professor of education and director of the National Resource Center for Asian Languages at California State University, Fullerton. So she helps prepare teachers and she helps schools set up dual immersion programs in Asian languages. She was one of five panelists who joined me for a roundtable discussion about what teachers need in order to better support students who are learning English in addition to their home languages. The big takeaway, teachers need more collaborative, hands-on professional development. They need more training on how to incorporate language learning into all subjects, and they need to understand and appreciate their students and their families and all the knowledge they bring with them. 70% of teachers surveyed nationwide said they didn't feel fully prepared to meet the needs of English language learners. And although California does more training than many other states, teachers often still do not get enough practical training on how to use strategies in the classroom. Most of the panelists at our roundtable are currently teachers or have been teachers in the past, and almost all of them spoke another language at home when they were children, and they were considered English learners themselves when they were in elementary school. 
Marina Berry grew up with parents who were migrant workers and spent six months of the year in Mexico and six months in Lodi, California. For myself as an English learner, I'm not going to lie, it was difficult going back and forth and the teachers would give me packets. That was my homework for the four months I was in Mexico. I had a huge packet. I didn't know how to read. I didn't know what a noun was. I didn't know what a verb was. Marina says she never fully learned some aspects of English grammar, like what nouns, verbs, and adjectives are. When I would return, she just assumed she knows it, and they would just trickle me on. I didn't learn those until I was almost in high school, college level. And now that I'm actually teaching the first graders, and this is my ninth year teaching first grade, I can actually take the time and actually explain to them the importance of what a noun is, the importance of what grammar is, because it's throughout our entire school year. They're going to have to scaffold and learn and do all of these things. Marina is now a first grade teacher in Lodi Unified, the same district where she grew up. And she jumps at any chance to learn how to better teach her students, especially those who are English learners like she was. So this summer, when she saw that the San Joaquin County Office of Education was offering a three-week course for teaching English language development, she signed up. The course brought together English language learners and teachers, and it had two aims. For the students, it aimed to strengthen their English skills. And for the teachers, the goal was to provide them with better strategies to support these students. Basically, the main goal was to give teachers concrete examples of how to use the state's English language development standards in the classroom. In the first week, we were provided with all the lesson plans and materials. As the weeks progressed, we were given the opportunity to adjust and to add to the lesson plans. Ultimately, the last week, we created our own lesson plans. More than 100 students on Lodi Unified participated, and 16 teachers. Although the focus was on reading and writing in English, the program was designed around learning about the history of plastic and the effects of plastic pollution. The activities were super interactive. Students learned how to braid jump ropes from plastic bags. They ran relays to memorize sentences. And they also wrote a lot. It was amazing to see the students beginning to only write a few words or sentences, be able to articulate and actually write multiple paragraphs at the very end. Two teachers co-taught each class, and students were only present in the morning. So in the afternoon, teachers got time to discuss how different strategies worked, they got training on how to improve their teaching, and they analyzed student work. For example, if a student was writing very basic sentences, the teachers discussed how they could get that student to write more complex sentences. We were able to collaborate immediately. We were able to scaffold. We were able to see the students in action, being able to write, being able to articulate words, being able to use all our walls, all our space was filled with writing. It was just, it's neat to see being able to communicate and collaborate together. That's what we need. We need to be able to have time to collaborate, actually do it, actually get feedback, talk amongst our peers and be able to tweak. And it was amazing. I was like astonished to see the growth, not just of myself of learning, but the growth of my 13 students and 14 students that I had in my classroom. It was just really neat to see. This kind of program with time to collaborate is pretty unusual. Teachers don't often have time every day to analyze students' work, discuss with each other how different strategies worked or not, and make changes based on those observations. That's why this course was done during the summer. During the school year, it's a little more difficult. 
But experts told me it's ideal if teachers have time to work together to analyze student work and discuss how their strategies are working. In addition, they also need to learn how to integrate language development with content so that students are learning both language and content at the same time. That was the focus of another series of trainings that fourth grade teacher Nicole Thompson took last year, how to integrate more language learning into math class. What's the problem about? You want to think about the subject. Nicole teaches in Pajaro Valley Unified School District in Watsonville. It's a primarily Latino town near Santa Cruz. It's one of two districts plus a charter school network where the nonprofit organization TNTP, that used to be known as the New Teacher Project, and Stanford University offered trainings. The organizers explained to me that it's important for students learning English to use the language by talking with each other a lot about what they're learning and by getting students to ask questions like, what do you mean by that? Why did you do that? Where in the problem does it say that? What's an example of a ratio in real life? That way, you get students to have deeper discussion of ideas and to practice both listening and speaking. Here's Nicole using a strategy she learned from the training. When she teaches a math word problem to her fourth grade class in Pajaro Valley, she has the class read it over three times. So repeat after me. A book fair comes to a school so students can buy books. Short turns. A book fair comes to a school so students can buy books. After the first read, students discuss with a partner the situation that's described in the word problem. The second time, they discuss what numbers they see and what those numbers mean. And the third time, they talk about the question and what they need to solve. My answer sentence was, we had 396 books in a question, a very math. Nicole says the strategy really helps her students understand the math problems, and it gives them more practice with the language. In the training, Nicole also got help analyzing word problems from her district's math curriculum and looking at what vocabulary students would need to understand in order to grasp the problem. And together with other teachers, she designed graphics or word definitions to help her students. Just like in Marina's training, Nicole had time to discuss what was happening in her classroom. We were meeting with coaches in small groups. They were emailing us individually, um, following up and, you know, remembering things about our classroom and referring back to them. I would say my biggest takeaway from that training was that we as educators should always keep really high expectations for our students, no matter their language level, no matter the subject matter. That lesson is crucial, panelists agreed. But this kind of professional training is still pretty unusual. Elvira Armas is one of the co-authors of a recent report that analyzed district local control accountability plans, or LCAPs. Those are the plans where districts have to detail how they're going to be using funding for different student groups like English learners. And one of the things Elvira and others looked at was what districts were planning for professional development, training for teachers. And what they found was that most districts just weren't getting specific. We found primarily broad descriptions, like we're going to provide support to English learners to improve English language development standards implementation, but not necessarily a through line with direct actions that would help really stitch together the plan that districts might have. And in other words, districts aren't being clear enough about what they're going to do to provide for English learners or for their teachers in order to close opportunity gaps. 
As a nonprofit organization, EdSource depends on donations and grants to sustain our quality journalism. We rely on listeners like you. Between now and December 31st, EdSource has a goal to raise $100,000 to support our journalism. Make your donation today at edsource.org. Elvira is the director of the Center for Equity for English Learners at Loyola Marymount University. But she was also once an English language learner herself. And she experienced the feeling of teachers and counselors not believing in her. We have yet so much work to do because the words that were said to my sister, to myself, to my son, you're not college material. Think about another trajectory are still alive today. We have work to do. Elvira's childhood also moved her to do the work she does today. She grew up with parents who spoke Spanish at home, but she didn't feel that that was valued by most teachers. I remember very vividly being in preschool and not feeling welcomed even at that age. My parents didn't feel welcomed. Um, I was then the product of busing, where I was bused to for the purposes of integration just a few miles away but feeling even more unwelcomed. Um, I felt that my language wasn't accepted. We were in the back of the room. I was also pulled out for, I wasn't sure what, and I was already reading. Yet I was put in these very low level books um, in first grade where I didn't understand why. I remember finally when I was in third grade coming into a classroom where I had a teacher who valued my language. She asked me to go home and ask my parents, what are the common dichos or sayings that your family knows? And I thought someone values what I bring. So teachers, you know, in general, right, should examine um, the students' backgrounds, their experiences, and how to best connect um, that to the students' learning experiences. This is Natalie Tran again, the director of the National Resource Center for Asian Languages at CSU Fullerton. And looking at the assets that the students right, bring into the classroom, including the language, the culture, um, and, and, and here's the special piece, is that they will vary depending on you know, the student's learning experience, depending on the different language. Um, Vietnamese students, Korean students, Japanese students, Chinese students, Khmer students, Spanish-speaking students will bring a very different set of you know, assets to the classroom. Um, so I would iterate and, and kind of confirm what some of our panelists have already shared. Take the time to know our students, know our parents, right? know the community. Often, students can struggle because their parents aren't able to understand communications from their school. Improving that communication with parents is critical, says Laura Barbosa, the parent of an English language learner in the first grade and the vice president of the District English Learner Advisory Committee for the San Leandro Unified School District. That means she's in touch with a lot of other parents of English learners, too. And a key part of that is using language that parents will understand. Um, you know, a lot of the notifications and official letters are in academic um, language. And, you know, we need conversational language for a lot of parents because, you know, a lot of parents don't understand English, right? First to begin with. And then the terms being used when it's translated, they also don't understand. Laura says parents have ideas for how they'd like district funds spent, and they provide feedback for districts' local control accountability plans. 
but sometimes there's no follow-up. Parents would like to know what actually happened. They'd like to, they'd like to receive data like, and, and facts about what's, what's going on, if the funds are being used in the right place. Having that communication in place with parents and other community members can be really useful for developing curriculum that connects with students, says Natalie Tran. Teachers need, in, in general, from my experience, um, they need instructional materials, right? And, and you'll hear this over and over again, right? Uh, curriculum, uh, books, assessments. But I think one of the critical elements is not just any instructional materials, but having authentic materials, Right. So these are the materials that reflect the students' experiences and that would allow them to make the connection right to the assets that they bring to the classroom um, that are essential to the success and the quality of the program. Along with districts and school support, I think parental and community engagement are other key ingredients. But I cannot emphasize, and for those of you who work in dual language context, know that translation, it's good, great, right? I mean, it's, it's better than not having any resources at all. But I think the best resources come from those from the community, and they, re, you know, they got to be authentic, and they got to reflect those experiences. And here are some of the final thoughts from these teachers, parents, researchers, and professors appreciate the native languages of our students and make sure that they know that they are valued, but also that we expect great things from all of our students. Acknowledge each child's strengths and differences and, you know, promote that everybody has something to give. Tell them that their language is powerful to keep on trying to never give up. Invest in your teachers to support them. Um, They are your greatest asset. Celebrate the cultural and linguistic gifts that our communities bring to our school context and support ourselves as educators to be able to make sure that we're, we're unwrapping the potential for all of our students so that we make our multilingual learners and English learners visible. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Education Beat, Getting to the Heart of California Schools, a production of EdSource. You can find the roundtable video and my stories at edsource.org. Our producer is Kobe McDonald. Special thanks to our guests, Marina Berry, Nicole Thompson, Laura Barbosa, Natalie Tran, and Elvira Armas. Our CEO is Anne Vasquez. Our theme music is from Blue Dot Sessions. This episode was brought to you by Sobrato Philanthropies. I'm Zadie Stavely. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode.